Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 191. Few things seem to go by as quickly as Royal Caribbean cruises, including my recent cruise aboard Anthem of the Seas. We had a fantastic time on Anthem of the Seas, and this week, I'll be reviewing my recent seven-night Bahama sailing on Anthem and talk about my stateroom, the sweet experience, the specialty dining, entertainment on board, and the places we visited. Here we go. What's interesting to me is I've gone on many Royal Caribbean cruises over the years, and just when I think I've really got it down, I really know everything, and I've got a, a pattern, so to speak, I go on a cruise, and I totally change everything that I do, and when I went on a Royal Caribbean's Anthem of the Seas, I had a lot of firsts, and it's kind of, it's a pleasant surprise to me to be able to still have new experiences and really change things up, and it has to do even from the very beginning I think I mentioned this on the preview episode where we talked about this back in episode 189 where I previewed my cruise. One of the things we did is we went to New York City uh, before the cruise. My wife and I spent a great day before the cruise in the city. We saw a number of Broadway shows. We hung out with an, with Royal Caribbean blog readers in New York City at the first ever New York City meetup, which was super awesome. Big shout out to everybody who showed up there. That was a lot of fun. But the next day on our cruise day, usually as many of you know, I get to the cruise port ridiculously early. But... I was forced not to do that uh, by virtue of the fact that because my wife and I had such a great time alone without the kids, my kids were with my parents who live in Connecticut, and my parents are not the kind of people that want to show up to the cruise early. And since we could not check in without my kids, I had to wait for them. And the long, the short story of this is that basically they did not arrive at the port until noon, which for me is like <laughs> it's like showing up right before they they take off the lines and we set sail. I mean, it was significantly longer. Now I will admit it was nice to sleep in a little bit, but uh, you know it, it really did eat at me a little bit not to be at the port quite that early. I will share in my experience getting to the port was kind of interesting. We were staying in Manhattan, and as many of you know, Anthem of the Sea sails out of Cape Liberty, New Jersey, which is right across the harbor in. In, in uh, New Jersey, very uh, very close by, in fact. It's right near the uh, Statue of Liberty. But getting there was a bit of an, an adventure. I wanted to make it sort of simple, but yet also save some money. So I wasn't looking to do, for example, a car service from the city over to the port, nor did I want to take a taxi directly over there. I just thought it was going to be very expensive. So what I did was we took the New York City subway from our Midtown Hotel down to World Trade Center. And at World Trade Center, there is something called the PATH train. The PATH train is essentially a subway that connects New York City to New Jersey. It's kind of a back-and-forth train that's operated uh, by the Port Authority, hence the PA and PATH. And it, it brings you back and forth between New Jersey and, and New York. And we boarded that train. And originally, we were going to take the train to Newark. There's kind of a couple different stops. But we actually got off in Jersey City. And if you want to look at a map of, New, of North New Jersey, you basically, as you get over the across the Hudson River, there's a place called Jersey City. This is the area on the Jersey side of the Hudson River, directly across from Manhattan, right? And this is a pretty well built up area. And then if you go a little bit further in, you hit Newark, the city, not necessarily the airport. But I was looking at the map and I kind of said to my wife, you know what, we're going to get off in Jersey City because it's kind of the same difference and why not? So we got off there. We got out of the path train, went up to the surface, right to the street. And then I used the Lyft. When many of you are familiar with Lyft, Uber, these car sharing services. And I was able to get a Lyft over there and we took that directly to the port. It had no problems at all. It was actually fairly inexpensive. It was a little bit more in, 
intensive. I mean, obviously, for one thing, the bulk of our luggage was with my parents and their truck, so I didn't have to worry about lugging all my luggage through the city. That probably would be a hindrance for most people. But if you can travel light or you have somebody to bring your luggage for you, this worked out quite well. And, you know, the advantage of this uh, was that I did not have to pay for a car service to bring me over the Hudson River or under the Hudson River, as it probably were. And that kind of worked out well. Check-in, very easy in Cape Liberty. It's actually among the simplest there. They built that terminal in Cape Liberty when Quantum of the Seas first debuted. Very, very simple. Check-in was a breeze, had no problems at all. And the only advantage of showing up to your port, to your cruise at noon is there's no wait. We were able to check in and immediately board the ship, no questions asked, which was nice. So we got on board the ship and Anthem of the Seas, you know, I have memories of there. As many of you know, I was on Anthem of the Seas in 2015. And while a lot of it was familiar, there were still some new surprises in store for me. Let's start with the stateroom. I think it's always a good place to start with. We were staying in a grand suite. And as many of you know, in the, on my last sailing on Navigator of the Seas, previous to this, we were also in a grand suite. But this time, the kids were with us. And in, in the sense, the kids were staying in the same room as us. And, and that was... Uh, something that we were sort of concerned about. We didn't know what it was going to be like. Sharing a room with them is always something I've always kind of said, I'm kind of leery about because I love my children. I really do. But sharing a room with them, especially at night, is a challenge. But it worked out fairly well in the sense that we were – my wife and I have slept in the in the, in the the bed. There was a curtain between the bed and the living room, the bedroom and the living room, which was awesome because in most regular rooms like balcony rooms or inside rooms, there is no curtain separator, which – as many of you know, if you have young children, if they can see you, it's like T-Rex in Jurassic Park. If they can see you, they're, they're, their vision is based on movement. And if they can see you up or if you're checking your iPad, well, then they assume that it's time to not go to sleep. So having a, a barrier in the way did make a big difference, I believe. Now, my kids slept the, – the, my oldest daughter sleeps like the dead. I mean, you, once she goes to bed, there is no waking her up until she's ready to get up. She's like a teenager. You know, she's six going on 17. But at the same time, my youngest – who is kind of in that weird age transitioning from crib to bed. She didn't sleep so well, but, you know, all things considered, I think it still went better than I probably would have assumed it would have gone if this were a couple months earlier. So I was I was happy with the accommodations. I think we had plenty of space on there. I think one issue, it was this is just by virtue of the fact of sailing out of New York City in the winter, was that we didn't get the chance to take advantage of the balcony for most of the cruise. We only used it probably in the last, I would say, 60% of the cruise. So the first, let's say the first uh, 25 and last 15% of the cruise, we didn't get a chance to use the balcony because it was too cold out. But having that balcony space makes it a whole lot more enjoyable because that gives the kids more play area. And they love being out on the balcony because it's somewhere else fun to play with. It, they get the breeze. They get the ocean. You know, it's fun. And, I, and of course, for us as an adults, it's great to experience too. And otherwise, the room is great. I mean, being in a grand suite. The 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 bathroom is wonderful. Having uh, the 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 tub is amazing. I got to tell you that. And having two sinks is really nice. The layout is interesting. There's no question that the bathroom was smaller, and the room in general was a little bit smaller than the Grand Suite on Navigator of the Seas. But I still enjoyed it quite a bit. I think though, you know, I want to blend this into the suite experience. What did I take advantage of? Because as many of you know, on Anthem of the Seas. The Grand Suite is uh, part of the Royal Suite program, and the Royal Suite program is something that Royal Caribbean rolled out last year, and it's basically a program that's available on the Quantum-class ships and Oasis-class ships where they kind of uh, rethought the entire suite program. They wanted to make it much more appealing. They wanted to offer a lot more to suite guests in order to really compete with what suites would typically get you on land, and I was pretty excited to try this out because I I, – Obviously, stayed in a suite on Navigator. This is where the Royal Suite class is not available. 
And I was curious to see what the experience was going to be like. I learned an important lesson about myself and my family on this cruise. And that is, while I love the suites in terms of their space, I kind of realized we're not really sweet people in the sense of we don't take advantage of the royal suite class or the suite benefits nearly as much as maybe others do. And I recognize this because we have young kids and in the way that we cruise. So I love the priority embarkation and disembarkation. That by far is, to me, the best part of staying in the suite. But we went to the concierge lounge like once or twice. We barely took advantage of any other benefit that was there. I, I'm really trying to think of all things we actually did that came with a Royal Suite class. We we did priority embarkation. We didn't actually do priority disembarkation because disembarkation cut off at 8 a.m. and we didn't leave the ship till about 8.30 or so. So that kind of was uh, a missed opportunity. I will point out, though, on Navigator, the season we took advantage of priority disembarkation, and that was super amazingly awesome. Saved us so much time. So, you know, it, it can kind of vary. But while on board the ship, like I said, we went to the concierge lounge like twice. And I think one of those times, I, I think we kind of forced ourselves to go. Part of the issue is, I, first of all, I love the concierge lounge in general. The concierge lounge is a suite-only area. It's on deck 12 all the way at the end of the ship. It's all the way on the aft, which is kind of cool from a view standpoint. But from a convenience standpoint, it's a real pain because it's all the way at the end of the ship. So it's near nothing, and you've got to make a, it's, you gotta really make an effort to get out there. Whereas on other ships, the concierge lounge is usually uh, located in, in one of the elevator lobbies. Admittedly, though, on those ships, the concierge lounge is tiny compared to uh, with the concierge lounge on Anthem of the Sea. So, you know, you, it, it, I'm doing the thing with my hands where you balance them out and you guys can't see that, but you'll take my word for it. Um, I, I just felt like overall, we went to Coastal Kitchen for breakfast and lunch. It was not, I love the service. Coastal Kitchen is the suites only restaurant. It's open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, they were super accommodating. Very, very nice. Never had any problems bringing our kids in there. But, uh, you know, my kids, as an example, you know, why didn't we go to Coastal Kitchen more? Well, for breakfast and lunch, we, for, for having the kids in general, it's a lot easier to go to the Windjammer because it's a little more casual. But more importantly, there's a lot more variety. My kids love to graze at the Windjammer. They love to say, oh, I'll have a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of that and a little bit of that. They, they don't, you know, focus on one dish. They're not a one dish kind of person. So it, it, it kind of just lended itself to being better to staying in, in the Windjammer and, and enjoying that a little bit more. I don't have any problem with the Royal Suite class. I, don't, I think it's great, especially if you're the kind of person that can take advantage of it. I think more importantly, you need to look at the benefits of the Royal Suite class and really figure out if you're going to be taking advantage of it. If you can go to the concierge lounge every evening and enjoy the complimentary drinks there, if you're going to uh, be taking advantage of the services offered by them, it can absolutely save you time and money and make it worth your while. Uh, unfortunately, the weather was never warm enough to take advantage of the of the special sweet sun deck. I mean, it was warm in when we were in port, but when we were in port, we were off the ship. And on other days, it just wasn't our style to hang out the post. I like shade with my, uh, wherever I go, whether it's on a pool deck or on a beach somewhere. And there's really no shade to, to speak of. So again, didn't take too much advantage of that. But again, this is how I cruise. And I don't want this to be painted as a, as my saying, Oh, this is awful. Don't ever book this. No, not at all. There's lots of people who can take advantage of it and will absolutely benefit by the Royal Suite experience. But I will tell you that going forward, and I, re- I reserve the right to completely uh, not follow anything I'm about to say, but I feel like going forward, I will not be as, I don't want to say compelled to book a suite, but I certainly will rethink it just because, again, it's just the way we cruise. Now, when my kids get a little bit older and they start to value more and more pool time or just sitting out, you know, they're girls, so eventually they're going to start saying, you know, Daddy, I want to go sit by the pool. And, you know, it's not about being in the pool. It's about being up on the pool deck. Perhaps things will change. 
I did. I, they had great service. The concierge, uh, Ricardo, was amazing. Very, very helpful. Very accommodating. We were invited to a bridge tour, which was awesome. I, I really have no problems with the service at all in the Royal Suite class. It just, I just kind of realized that the way that we cruise with my family at this stage in, in our in our lives, I don't think it's necessarily. Uh, I don't want to say up our alley, but it's kind of our thing, if that makes any kind of sense. We still had a great time, and I can't say that I wouldn't book the, the, a suite just purely for the extra space and for the priority embarkation and disembarkation. That Those two things are, to me, is way better because, again, having kids, not having to wait in line to get on the ship and get off the ship, I think is such a huge benefit, and and that is something that I really valued a lot, more so than grabbing extra drinks at night because of course being a diamond member the drinks in the concierge lounge were exactly the same as the diamond lounge and you know it, it kind of balanced itself out so you know there were there were benefits of it certainly but while i enjoyed the room i am not sure that i would say oh, i have to do in a suite all the time certainly on our, our next cruise on royal caribbean's harmony of the seas which of course is a group cruise that you can join us for by going to royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events for more information there's your shameless plug uh we're back in a we're gonna be back in a in a balcony two balcony rooms and I, I, I re, I'm not as, not the word, not I'm not as upset or slash disappointed or depressed about it as maybe I was before because I realized you know what, just having some separation from the kids is is pretty much uh, is pretty much good enough. Now in terms of the ship, there's a lot going on. Anthem. I, I kind of f- f- realized that over the course of a seven night cruise, Anthem of the Seas has a lot more in tune with I think some of the like a Voyager class ships or. Uh, freedom class ships than it does the Oasis class ships. You go on, like if you go on Harmony of the Seas or Oasis of the Seas or Allure of the Seas, there is a, 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 a just a cavalcade of entertainment options, right? It's not the, so much of you know what's happening right now. It's you have to pick between three and four things that are happening at one time. Whereas on Anthem, it was a little more of a streamlined process in the sense that there was one event here, one event next, following that, following that, following that. So I felt a lot less of this FOMO, fear of missing out on Anthem of the Seas because, quite honestly, it was fairly easy to make most of the the big events because there wasn't a whole lot of overlap. Were there other events happening? Absolutely. This happens on all ships. But I did not feel like it was happening to the same extent that they do on the Oasis Club ships, which was nice. So if we wanted to see a show, we definitely had that opportunity to go see them. And I guess that leads me into the shows on board. We saw a lot of different shows. We saw The Gift. The Gift is an original Royal Caribbean musical production. I would I can't describe it because I don't think anyone can describe it. It is a very weird show, and people say that you have to be there for the very beginning and the very end to kind of understand the plot. I was there for both. I don't understand the plot. I don't think it really matters. Quite honestly, this isn't a the, the plot is essentially someone dies. I think the mother dies, and uh, and then the 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 father and the kids try to reconnect or something like that. It really doesn't matter. They're just singing and there's great performances, and that's what's really important. Great performances really made the difference in that show, and I enjoyed it, and I will tell you that uh, while maybe it's not my favorite show in the whole wide world, it was a very cool show to see, and I did enjoy the performances there. Now, We Will Rock You, the the West End musical that's on Anthem was amazing. I don't know what my expectations were for this show. I kind of came in with not a whole lot. My wife had seen it when we were on the two-nighter back in 2015, but I had not, and I was really impressed by it. I thought it was really good. It is basically, it's a musical set to the music of Queen, the, the, the rock band, and there's a very loose story wrapped around it, which is far easier to follow than the gift. And I thought it was kind of fun. I thought it was a great show. I like the plot. I thought it, well, it's kind of a, it's a silly plot. It's set in the future where uh, some corporation has taken over and music is banned. And, you know, it, I, I won't say anything more about it. But 
it's it's a fun show. I thought it was really cool. I thought the the actors were very good. The music, of course, I it's kind of nice when you know all the words of the songs, even though you've never seen the shows before. So definitely some fun music set to it. And just like Mamma Mia, you know, at the end they kind of go through the the big hits and and make it worth your while. So I definitely recommend We Will Rock You. I thought that was that was really uh, a very very good show to see on board. One of the nice things also about Anthem was that they have a lot of live music on board, whether it was in the pub or in Boleros or really all around the ship, Schooner Bar. They did a really good job with offering live music. I love live music because I think it's something Rokum does extremely well. It's not nearly as advertised as much as it probably should or could be. And that's because, you know, in the grand scheme of things, if you're trying to get attention for your ship, having a band doesn't necessarily get you all the attention. But seeing the Led Zeppelin cover band in Music Hall or Girl Named Jake in Schooner Bar or Porsche in the in the pub, that was really a lot of fun. I really enjoyed going and seeing these this music. They did great brass entertainment with, with live jazz music on board. One of my favorite things they did, this wasn't even in the schedule. I mean, uh, on the last day in the Schooner Bar, the musical director for We Will Rock You Perform was doing piano music, just playing piano in in a schooner bar, which in and of itself is just nice to listen to. But what was cool was the cast of We Will Rock You essentially crashed the event and sang along to these songs. They basically sang. Uh, the The musical director was was playing the music, and uh, this is their off time. By the way, they're not getting paid to do this. This is their break, and they were getting up there. And they were singing. They were, it was almost like a, a I don't want to say like a one-off, like a contest, like to see who could one-up each other. But it was very cool because they were singing their favorite songs. And it was so fun to see them just doing their thing. It's kind of like, uh, you know, if, if you were, you know, whatever you do in your day job, if there's something you're really passionate about, and in this case it's singing, being able to exercise that and, and really show off your skills. Because a lot of these performers were maybe some of the ensemble cast, which don't get a chance to really sing during the show. They are extremely talented. It was a lot of fun. So really the live music on board was very, very compelling, and I really did enjoy it. And, of course, one of my favorite places is 270. I saw a number of Vistarama shows in, in 270, and I love 270 because of this. Uh, I saw the virtual fireworks, which I posted a video on our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash Royal Caribbean blog was very cool. It's something that was developed for New Year's Eve this year, but they decided, hey, this is pretty cool. Let's extend this out to the for, for all the sailings. you got to see that one. We saw a virtual concert. It really is amazing to see how they've used technology and make it very, very fun in there. And, I, again, I, I love I love uh, 270. It's my favorite spots on board, and I wish they could add 70 to more ships. I'm not sure how really practical that is, but they uh, they certainly did a – did a great job with it, and I'm I'm very I'm very pleased with it. Um, in terms of the other things that were available on uh, on Anthem, of course, North Star was one that we definitely wanted to see. We booked reservations for it. I will tell you that if you're going on Anthem of the Seas, you need to make reservations for North Star. I saw a lot of people get turned away from North Star if they did not have a reservation. And North Star is the observational pod that's on the on that. Uh, on that lift that goes on the top of the ship and brings you up about 300 feet above the sea level. It's a very cool experience. You have to, it's a must see gots to see it, but you also got to make reservations for it. Uh, you can do so via the cruise planner and it is imperative that you keep checking before your cruise, because evidently they do sell out. They sold out on ours as well. And again, most people got, got turned away. Now you can still make it in without a reservation. It kind of behooves you to be a little flexible. Uh, the crew members were saying if you wanted to get in without a reservation, it probably helped if you went on some of the later days on the cruise, like, you know, like the last couple days or maybe during dinner time. 
But uh, definitely do yourself a favor. Make a reservation in advance. It really does make a, a difference, I believe. And, you know, we uh, – <laughs> Ripcord by iFly, believe it or not, I didn't do it on this sailing. It's not my thing. <laughs> I, I lack all coordination. So the Ripcord by iFly and the Flow Rider, yeah, guys, uh, there's many things I enjoy about Royal Caribbean. <laughs> this is not one of them. Probably because I don't have no coordination. I just – I crash and I face plant and it's no fun. I don't enjoy it, but that's all right. I make up for it in other ways like eating. <laughs> and we ate in the main dining room on uh, on Anthem. Of course, there is no main dining room per se. There is now traditional dining. Dynamic dining is no longer on board the ship. And we were seated in the Grand Restaurant. The Grand and Chic do the traditional dining while uh, American Icon Grill and Silk do the My Time dining. And we had phenomenal servers. Gerald and... And Elvis were amazing, and they really did excellent service. I was very impressed by them. They, I, I, here's a couple examples. Number one, we asked, as many of you know, I always ask for Indian curry on my sailings. Right, it's always a something I always look for when I'm. Uh, I enjoy that, and I made the request. Usually, we get one dish a night. They brought out three to four dishes every night of the cruise. It was amazing. Then on top of that, every night for dessert, the Gerald, our, our waiter, would ask me what I'd like for dessert. And I always tell him, I'm, you know, I'd ask him what the, what the ice cream of the day was. He would tell me, like, pistachio or or whatever. And I'd say, okay, no, thank you. And then by day three, he was like, what are you looking for? And I said, I'm waiting for coffee ice cream to come around. And then from day four through the rest of the cruise, every day, without me asking, he would just bring me coffee ice cream. Which is, you know, it's those little touches that make the difference. My parents enjoyed a particular bread that was there. I think it was the... I figure which kind it was doesn't really matter, but by day two they had a entire plate of that bread being brought to them. The you know it's those kind of touches that make the difference, and we really enjoyed enjoyed that with the services. The main dining room was great. We also went to Jamie's Italian, and Jamie's Italian was surprisingly better than I remembered. I went to Jamie's Italian on Quantum and Anthem, and I remember I enjoyed it fine. You know, it's Italian food; who doesn't like this? But this was a lot better. I think maybe because I tried different things on there, but it was a really good uh, restaurant. And quite honestly, I'm now more excited to go back to James Italian on Harmony of the Seas than perhaps I was before this cruise. So I was very pleasantly surprised by the service. Again, great service. In fact, all the restaurants across the board, whether it's Coastal Kitchen, James Italian, the main dining room, Windjamere, amazing service for the for the dining. I was very, very impressed by that. So again, James Italian, I'm giving two big thumbs up on that. We went to Chops Grill. And I tried, for the sake of research, I retried the dry age steaks. Now, dry age steaks were introduced in 2014 on Navigator. It's used to spread to other ships, as many of you know. Dry age steaks is a is a sort of a new kind of steak uh, preparation technique where essentially they add some extra. Uh, it's supposed to add some extra flavoring to it. I don't pretend to know the exact in and outs of it all, but trust me when I tell you that that's how it's supposed to work. And we uh, we. I, I wanted to try it out again because I haven't tried it since I was on board uh, Navigator back in 2014. And, you know, it was it tasted great. It was, I got the New York Strip. It was perfectly fine. I just know myself well enough to know that I really can't tell the difference. And I think that if you are a steak aficionado, if you are really into it, like you eat steak quite often, you can tell the difference between a good steak and a great steak and all those kinds of things. And, yes, absolutely is uh is important uh, once again we had an amazing server by the way uh michael was his name he was very very good he knew his stuff and he also had some nice panache to his service which was which was uh appreciated so i definitely am 
uh, I definitely enjoyed my meal there. I just don't know that I would order a dry aged steak personally. But if you do enjoy, if you're a steak aficionado, I think it definitely is a, a neat option to have. We went to Izumi, of course. Actually, on this cruise, as I mentioned, I only went to Izumi once. I know it's crazy. Only went to Izumi once on board, but it was great. Went there for lunch. Uh, very easy to get in there. Wonderful food. I, I always love Izumi. Izumi is a very consistent experience. I've often said that. I've often mentioned that Chops Grill is one of the most consistent operations across the fleet, meaning if you go to a Chops Grill on Anthem or Adventure or Ovation or Allure, they're all very much a similar experience, right? Very, very similar. And Izumi is becoming that. And I give full credit to Chef Travis, uh, who developed Izumi and continues to work on it uh, consistently, that it, it is very much – you go to one Izumi, you've been to many of them, especially when it comes to the sushi aspect of it. Excellent food, well-prepared. I really enjoyed it quite a bit, and of course, I love Izumi, so uh, big shout-out there. The Windjamere was great. Uh, I will tell you that the there are a couple things I enjoyed about it. First of all, uh, if you're gluten-free, Anthem of the Seas is the best ship for you. They have not only just little sections of gluten-free, they had the entire preparation station in the back that was dedicated to gluten-free. So if you went all the way to the back of the, of the Windjamere, there was actually a cooking station dedicated to gluten-free foods, which I'm sure that if you eat that whether you need to or you just prefer that kind of a uh, dietary uh, uh, preference, you're going to find an amazing array of options over there. So certainly that was really cool. In the evenings, it was kind of interesting. They had um, they had different uh, servers who would come around actually wearing full Japanese kimonos, walking around and serving tea, which was kind of a neat little thing. I like that quite a bit. Uh, the The food was really good all around. I love the variety of it, and uh, my wife loves the pasta station. Uh, in the Windjamere on on Anthem of the Sea, something that we really haven't found on any other ship. Definitely a very nice thing to have on board. And uh, like I said, we had a really nice uh, time. It was it was great food. I tried some of the food in the in the uh, in the pub. They have actually a menu of food. I tried the falafel there. I love falafel, and it was really good. Like I mean, I was really surprised by how good it was. It was only three dollars, and definitely a nice thing to do. So I I really um, I definitely liked it quite a bit. The dining was was very, very good. Now, the places we visited, we stopped at three different ports, Port Canaveral, uh, Nassau, and Coco Cay. I'll go in the order we went. Port Canaveral was way better than I thought. We were we did the Kennedy Space Center, something I've never done before. I implore you, whether you are a history buff or not, it is a super cool experience. Now, let me, let me preface this by saying we did the tour. We did the non-guided tour. We got on board the ship. It was actually sold out. We put ourselves on the wait list, and within a day – we had a we had a notification on our voicemail in our stateroom that it had come through, and we had a our tour booked. But it was the unescorted one, which basically means they drove you to the port, but you're on your own, and then they bring you back, right? And I, it, it was they also mentioned it'd be five hours, and I'm thinking to myself, five hours, okay. I think, and I'm thinking to myself, geez, you know, I probably could call Uber after two hours if we get bored and bring us back, right? Complete opposite. I could have spent an extra four hours over there on top of the five we were there. It was amazing. Really cool. A lot of fun seeing this history, seeing all this stuff up close. And, you know, I think they really do a great job of bridging the history of space travel in the United States along with what's coming up soon uh, in the in the near future. And I think that it was so fun to see all the stuff that was there. And like I said, if anything, we ran out of time. It was just not enough time over there. But I, if you've never done the Kennedy Space Center – and you're going to Port Canaveral, there is no question in my mind, it is the thing to do. Uh, you definitely got to try that out. In Coco Cay, Royal Caribbean's private destination, we rented a beach bungalow. My very first time doing a beach bungalow. A bungalow, how's a bungalow different than a cabana, Matt? Great question. 
Uh, the, well, there a couple things. Number one, on Coco Cay, the cabanas do not have direct beach access. What that means is, like in Labadee, if you're in a cabana, you can exit your cabana, walk down the beach, and go into the water. On Coco Cay, for some reason, they put the cabanas in a place where you have to exit the cabana area and then go into the public beach area, go first swim, and then obviously reverse that to come back. Not ideal. And again, we have young children. I wanted to be able to sit in my, in my bungalow or cabana or whatever, be able to see the children, be able to have them easy access to be able to go to the water and back without any kind of issue at all. And the bungalows, which are kind of a new construction, allow that. The bungalows essentially lack a one of the walls the cabana has. Uh, you basically have a back wall. You have curtains that make up walls. And uh, you have a you have a half hall on one of the sides of it, but the experience is very similar. I loved it. We also had like perfect perfect weather on there. I mean, it was like you know highs in the mid seventies, sunny, no not very humid. It was just like I I could have been almost anywhere. I could have been in Newark, New Jersey, and that would have been great weather. But we had a great Coca was beautiful. We had uh, a great time there. We also had something new on with the bungalow, something I've never seen on Labadee, certainly. And that was instead of going to the barbecue, which you could do as well, they offered the option of pre-ordering lunch options and having it delivered to your bungalow. So the day before, I had to go down to Wonderland and order my food. And basically, it was just kind of a checklist. Say, how many of these do you want? How many of these do you want? They didn't care. You could order 20 of them. It didn't really matter. And they delivered it. So the plus side of this was I love the variety of food. I love the different food. I'm not a big fan of barbecue foods. Not my jam necessarily. I don't think against it. It's just not my favorite food in the whole wide world. So having you know the option to choose fish tacos, chicken sandwiches, and and uh, there were burgers on the menu. Don't worry about that. But uh, fruit cups and some other things. That was a nice touch, and I like that. And obviously, I didn't have to actually leave my bungalow. It was brought right to me. Super awesome. Now the downside that I would point out, and this is true pretty much of almost any delivery in general, is of course if you're waiting, if food is being delivered to you. Inevitably, it will not be nearly as hot as when you get it from when it's cooked. And some of the foods that does do not lend themselves well towards being delivered. Uh, as an example, fish tacos, right? The taco shell was a little soggy by the time I, it got to me. Is it the end of the world? No, I enjoyed the food just fine, quite honestly. And it was still, in my opinion, it was still better than the barbecue food. And I was quite happy with the option. But I think that it's something that I like the idea. I hope Royal Caribbean continues to improve upon it. I think the only thing I would recommend for them, is, and if they're listening, is to improve the delivery times, meaning the time from when they prepare it to when it's brought to our our bungalow. There were some people, some bungalows got their food like I would say at least thirty minutes before we did. There did not seem to be a rhyme or reason as to why one bungalow got it before others. Meanwhile, others got it way after we did. So it, I, I don't know the logic behind. I'm obviously they only, they only have so many people, but, um, uh. You know, if the food were a little bit hotter and less, uh, and obviously less sitting around, that might have been the, the only way I could improve that. But I did like the option. And again, anytime I don't have to get up and my kids, I don't have to drag my kids over to the buffet, I think that's a win. Uh, so I really like that. Nassau is always one that we always struggle with. We actually did a podcast episode about this. We went to the British Colonial Hilton, it's an all inclusive resort that is uh, very close by. We took a taxi over there. Don't waste your money. Walk over there. It's actually maybe 10-minute walk, maybe. Very easy to get to, and it's a beautiful resort. Uh, we we did this through a website called resortforaday.com. I've used it many times to book my uh, stays at various places because we like doing all-inclusive resorts, especially ones that have pools and beaches. We have the option of both. My kids love the pools. 
Sometimes they like going to the beach. Sometimes they don't. But in this case, we spent all the time by the pool. It was great. My, uh, it was fairly inexpensive, about forty something dollars per person. It also included. It wasn't all inclusive in the sense you could order whatever you wanted, but it did include a food and beverage credit, which certainly uh, encompassed pretty much everything we needed over there in terms of uh, that. Basically, covered our lunch and, and a drink or two for everybody. So. From that standpoint, it was fine, but it was very nice. I would, if I want to be super critical, there's not a lot of shade. We arrived early and we were able to stake out a spot underneath one of the trees that provided shade, but there were many people who had no such luck. And I would tell you that if you value shade, if you are someone like myself who really enjoys somewhere nice, but in a shaded environment on direct sunlight, you either need to arrive early or consider a different option. But that being said, it was way cheaper than Atlantis. It was beautiful still. And we had a great time there. I really had a lot of fun. The girls had an amazing time. I, I don't think my kids ever left the pool. They were just constantly swimming. It was very, very fun. I, I really uh, – we, we had such a great time there. And then afterwards, we actually left the Bridge Colony Hilton. We walked away after, you know, mid-afternoon. Mid we were there from like 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. But by about 2 o'clock, I think we were kind of done. And we walked back. We stopped on our way. There was a – uh, ice cream shop called the Main Street Ice Cream Parlor, and it was very convenient, literally right around the corner from the British Colonial Hilton on the way back to the ship, and it was amazing ice cream, so good, and the kids loved it, and after that, hey, they were game for walking back to the ship, no problem at all, after, you know, nice little sugar high there, so our ports were amazing, you know, on an itinerary that I was not that excited about, it turned out to be one of the best itineraries we've done as a family, we had great times at every single one. It, we had phenomenal weather. Like, really, geez, I rolled the dice well on that one. And it worked out quite well. Uh, it was interesting on board the ship. There were a couple other things I wanted to mention. Adventure Ocean was was great. We had no problems bringing our daughters uh, to both Adventure Ocean and the nursery. Uh, they did the usual thing in the nursery where we were only able to book a certain amount of hours for the first four days. And then after that, they opened it up no problems at all. Uh, the Adventure Ocean was uh, no, no issues there logging them in. Um, there was a lot of motion on the day after we left NASA through the next day's afternoon. Um, we experienced motion significantly twice. When we left New York once on day one into day two, and again day five into day six. Day one into day two was like on a scale of one to ten, I would peg it at about a four. Whereas on day five and day six, it was like a six, I think. Uh, maybe a seven if you want to really be generous with it. But, I mean, there was a significant amount of motion. And the good news was it was relegated to the evening, and it improved very quickly thereafter. And it was interesting because actually my daughter, my oldest daughter, uh, reported she was uh, she was feeling a little queasy because Adventure Ocean is located on a very high deck, very far forward. But we brought her back to the room. She was fine after that. She didn't take any medicine. She just needed some time just to relax and sleep it off, and she did well after that. There were no problems. But, you know... That being said, they never brought out the 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 barf bags. They never uh, closed people off from any kind of decks. It was just there was a lot of motion, but the ship handled it extremely well. And as I mentioned, the conditions improved uh, quickly. And most of the worst part was overnight. In which case, I kind of enjoy a little bit of motion in the evening when I'm trying to sleep. So. Kind of like rocking you to bed. But overall, I loved Anthem of the Seas. It was really a wonderful experience. Uh, we used the WoW Bands on board. They were very, very – I love WoW Bands. Many of you know these are the RFID bracelets that act just like CPAS cards, and I would use them all the time. It was wonderful. The service director, our attendant, was amazing. 
I really like the Anthem of the Seas, and I think Anthem of the Seas is great. If you're new to cruising or new to Royal Caribbean, it is the perfect ship for you. They designed the ship for for you. If you are if you've been there, done that Royal Caribbean cruiser like myself. What I liked about it was it felt like a completely different. It almost felt like a new cruise experience because it is so different from the Voyager Freedom Oasis class experiences, even the Radiance class as well. It it was it's such a departure from the traditional other Royal Caribbean ships in the fleet that I kind of felt like it was almost a new kind of cruise experience. So it, it, what I'm really trying to say is that regardless of which uh, option you – which category you fall into, whether you're a new cruiser or an established cruiser, I really feel like Anthem offers such a unique experience that it's going to feel like a completely different uh, vibe for you, which is great. And I really applaud Royal Caribbean for, the, for what they offer here. Again, service is great. I, the value, by the way uh, – we got a great deal on this, and many of other people reported this as well. Um, Royal Caribbean is offering some great deals on Anthem of the Sea, so if you can get out there, it is uh, it is definitely a great opportunity. And and it was actually cheaper for us to fly up to New York and to go on this cruise, including airfare, than it was to go on Oasis of the Seas out of Port Canaveral and drive there. That tells you a lot about the pricing on Anthem of the Seas, which is just means it's great value. So take advantage of it if you can. But we had a phenomenal time on board Anthem. It was a lot of fun. My family, it was a great family vacation is really what it came down to with my parents there. They had a great time and we were there together and we were able to share it. It was like, we were like, <laughs> I really felt like we were living a real Caribbean commercial with everybody just enjoying the experiences together. And this is what makes cruising so much fun is that you can have an opportunity to have, you know, alone time and time together. And and I really just, uh, it, it went by way too fast. It really did. And I was grateful for some of the new experiences for myself to try out. And it just makes me more excited for my next Royal Caribbean cruise, which is coming up. If you're wondering, Harmony of the Seas in September. I can't wait because, of course, there'll be a, a group cruise. And I get to cruise with even more friends on board, which is even better. So uh, very, very excited. And um, I, I hope that I get back on the Anthem of the Seas very soon. All right, so I'm to answer your listener emails. Of course, we do this every single week where we answer your emails that you've sent us about anything about Royal Caribbean, whether it's a question, a comment, something on your mind about Royal Caribbean, something in the news, whatever it is, we're here to talk about it. And of course, you can send me your emails by emailing Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email to, comes to us from Katie from Dublin, Ireland, where I say, Matt, I've been recently found your podcast and blog and have been absolutely loving the content, especially with you being on Anthem of the Seas. There's a group of four of us spending three nights in New York then doing a nine-night cruise from New York to Bermuda and the Caribbean in June on Anthem. And I have just a few questions. If you can help me in any way, I would appreciate it. It's been three years since our last cruise, and some things have changed since then. And we're also cruising with two first-timers. We're traveling from Dublin, Ireland, so we want to plan as much in advance to ensure we have at least our idea of the perfect vacation. Firstly, we're looking to dine in the specialty dining restaurants. I've been looking at the package deals, but something's unclear. We want to dine in Wonderland, Chops, Jamie's Italian, and possibly Zumi. Royal Caribbean's website states you get $30 on off uh, on board. Is that each restaurant? Does it save money? Let's start there, Katie, with your first question. Yes, the dining packages absolutely will save you money if you are going to be eating at as many restaurants as you just mentioned. The specialty dining packages basically say if you're going to eat at at least three, four, five restaurants, depending on which package you buy, they it will save you money versus if you went on board the ship and try to eat at those restaurants individually. So uh, in your case, yes, you'll get basically in Wonderland, Chops, and Jamie's Italian, it will just 
it will include your cover charge. Izumi, you'll get a $30 credit per person to eat there because, of course, Izumi is priced a la carte, meaning you only pay for what you order. And in my experience, $30 will definitely cover the enough food for you to eat at Izumi. Maybe not for me, but for most people, yes. Um, so it will save you money. There is two caveats to this, to the special dining you need to be aware of. Number one, you need to eat at one of the restaurants on night one or night two. Doesn't matter which one, which restaurant, doesn't matter which evening, but you're going to be forced to eat, dine at one of those restaurants on night one or night two. For some people, that's a problem. For other people, they don't care. So that's number one. Number two, you will not be able to uh, pick your times to where, when you're going to eat until you get on board the ship, meaning you can't you buy the package, but you won't be able to pick you know what evening and what time you're eating at Chops or Jamie's or Zoomy or Wonderland. So what that means is you're going to be having to wait to get on board and then make reservations. And you can change them up as much as you want on board. They'll assign you the first one automatically, but again, you can change that when you get on board. You can make all those changes. I think it's fine. Unless you have your heart set on like, look, Matt, I want to eat at a Chops Grill on formal night at 6 o'clock, and if it's anything but that, that's a problem for me, then obviously you shouldn't go to the, the dining package. But if you're flexible... And if you say, well, I want to eat at Chops, and if it's on day two or day four, it really doesn't matter to me, then you'll be fine. I think you'll have no problems at all. So, But, yes, it will save you money. Katie's second question is, we really want to try Cabana or Beach Bungalow on Labadee, but we're not Grant's Week guests. I read online you can sign up for a sort of waiting list. Have you any experience with this? We really want to use Labadee as our beach time. Yes, actually, you can reserve either a bungalow or a cabana. Now, the wait list is an outgrowth. That's actually for something that used to be the case. In the more recent years, Royal Caribbean has added cabanas to a beach called Nellie's Beach. There are two beaches that have cabanas, Nellie's Beach and Barefoot Beach. Barefoot Beach is the suite-only beach that has cabanas. That's where the wait list is. You don't need to worry about that anymore. Because you're not in a suite, you can book cabanas online via Royal Caribbean's Cruise Planner at Nellie's Beach. This is what I do all the time. There's, you don't have to be a sweet guest for this. Just go on, book it there. You'll have no problems at all. There are bungalows as well, beach bungalows. Those are on Columbus Cove. They're a little further down from Nellie's Beach. Those can also be reserved online, uh, which is better. It depends on what you're looking for in the experience. I like the cabanas a little bit better. They do cost a little bit more. But uh, the reason being you get a little more privacy with the cabanas in Labadee, and I like Nellie's Beach a little bit more than I like Columbus Cove, but it's... You, you really can't go wrong. I would not fault you for, for trying either one. So it's really a matter, I think, quite honestly, of your budget and what you're looking for. So lastly, Katie wants to know, do you know any worthwhile excursions with Royal Caribbean to do solo? Our ports of Bermuda, Labadee, St. Martin, and San Juan. Any help you or your listeners can give would be amazing. Just 10 weeks ago, hope you had a great time on Anthem. Sure. Well, boy, that's a loaded question as to what to do. Labadee, you've already nailed it, right? You're going to do, I always do cabana there. I love my cabanas. I'm a cabana nut. I admit that. I think it's worth the money, and I enjoy it quite a bit. So there you go. Easy one done. Bermuda. Bermuda, I would do it all on your own, unless there's something that really stands out to you. You know, go, there's uh, public transportation. There's buses that will bring you all around. It's very cheap and economical and also fairly, fairly easy as well. Horseshoe Bay is the big thing to do in Bermuda. You, again, you can take the bus to bring you over there. Also, there is a ferry that will bring you over to Hamilton, which is a big city, and there's lots of dining and shopping there, and there's a ferry that brings you back and forth. Again, very easy to do on your own, so I don't think you need to do anything special there. St. Martin, there's a lot to do in St. Martin. There's Marigot, which is on the French side. You've got Phillipsburg on the Dutch side. You've got uh, beaches. You've got shopping. You've got tours. I think what I would do in St. Martin is I would research what there is to do, what appeals to you to do, probably more importantly, Katie, and then make a decision. I almost always in St. Martin, I book a private driver. 
and I get drive around because we like to do a little potpourri. I like to do a little bit of everything, right? Go to the beach, have bre- first, you know, we go somewhere, have breakfast, then we go to the beach, then we go do some sort of activity, and then back to the ship. And having a driver for the day makes it a whole lot easier. So we do that. In San Juan, Puerto Rico, do it all on your own. Unless, again, unless you want to do something crazy, I don't know what that would be. But uh, San Juan, I think, old San Juan, you get off the ship, you just explore. It's very easy, very walkable. And I always do it on my own there, and I think you'll be fine doing it there as well. With all ports, this is true of any port you visit, not just for Katie, for anybody. Research the port. See what Royal Caribbean offers. See what you're interested in doing, and kind of weigh the the benefits. In in the cases of San Juan and Bermuda, it's very easy to get around on your own. St. Martin, I think having a driver is helpful. Doing a tour is helpful. But I think that you can do it either way. I can, I can see it going either way, whether it's through Royal Caribbean or not. A lot of it, you're forcing it through Royal Caribbean. You have no choice there. So um, I hope that makes some sense there, Katie. And it's a great question. I appreciate you sending it in there. Our next email comes to us from Luke from Camus, Utah. Matt, just found your blog and podcast a few months ago. We love to read your posts and listen to your podcast, so thank you. We've learned so much from them. We love Royal Caribbean and are counting down the days to our next cruise. Only 125 left. We're going to Adventure of the Seas in the Southern Caribbean out of Puerto Rico and was just wondering if you have any plans to do a podcast about Adventure of the Seas since she was in dry dock in November for a renovation. We'd love to hear more about what we did on the ship during the renovation and what others think of the ship now. Also, would love any recommendations if you have any of the ship and ports of call. Luke, it's a great question. You know, we haven't done one on adventure since her refurbishment. We had actually, Haley was on there, but we talked more about what happens when you get, remember that was the episode where she got, unfortunately, she was sick on board. But um, the the main thing you have to understand about adventure this is a couple things. Number one, there are new water slides on board. So that's a must do. You got to check out the water slides. There is a new Chops Grill location. You got to try that one out. That's really a, a very fun experience as well. And really, when you're doing adventure of the seas and you're doing the Southern Caribbean, we're talking about a very port-intensive itinerary. You're going to some amazing places. I'm not sure which itinerary you're on, Luke, in terms of uh, which islands you're visiting, but make a point to uh, to get off there and explore. Uh, if you're going to Antigua, I love Valley Church Beach. Barbados is a great one for a tour. If you're going to St. Lucia, seeing the Pitons is really amazing. Uh, there, it, it, I, there's so many great beaches. I mean, it's... I cannot undersell you enough, or cannot oversell you enough. I, I cannot overstate enough, Luke, the importance of seeing how beautiful these beaches are because they're just amazing, amazing. Got to check it out, Luke. So check it on out. And um, we've done actually a lot of uh, different blog posts about the various ports. But uh, feel free to email me back, Luke, with some questions about specific ports. But in terms of adventure of the seas, you know, again, the water slides, the new Chops Grill location on deck four definitely the highlights of what's what's being offered there so i think you're gonna find it i've heard nothing but great things about from folks that have gone on already since the refurbishment i think i'll have a great time so enjoy my friend and i think we'll have time for one more email um and that'll be coming to us from alexis she writes hello matt i recently stumbled upon your podcast i'm listening to old episodes to learn everything i can before our honeymoon in june we sail on a seven-night Allure of the Sea sailing to Nassau, St. Thomas, St. Kitts. We booked the cruise through Costco, so we set up a couple of excursions through the excursion company associated with Costco. In Nassau, we scheduled a half-day snorkel adventure. Now that I'm looking at it, I'm concerned because the excursion is not scheduled to end until half an hour before we're scheduled to leave Nassau. In addition, it's three times as expensive as Royal Caribbean's Rainbow Reef snorkeling excursion. To be fair, the third-party excursion is about twice as long and includes multiple snorkeling locations and gets good reviews. We also thought perhaps that there would be a few people on the third-party excursion because we've heard some horror stories about massive groups and long lines for some of the cruise line excursions. I was wondering 
If you give me some advice as to whether or not I should cancel third party and go with Royal Caribbean Storm Activity, or should I stick as we have a plan right now? We're so excited for our trip, and your blog and podcast have been extremely helpful. Last night, I listened to the Curb to Ship episode, and it was fantastic. I think I was grinning ear to ear with excitement. Alexis, a great question. First and foremost, if any, I would never book an excursion that has uh, that ends a half an hour before you're supposed to be on board or scheduled to leave. No, that's way too close. You need to cancel that immediately. Um, whatever time that they say, like let's say you're going to be in port till six o'clock, that means that ship's going to leave at six. You're going to be back on. You need to be back on board at least half an hour before that. And even then, I am way too paranoid to arrive at that point. I would recommend being on board the ship at least two hours before you're supposed to be, just to be safe because you never know what's going to happen. So from that, forget anything else that you mentioned there, Alexis. Your, if your excursion ends half an hour before you're scheduled to leave, that is, you're, you're late. That's not going to work. You're going to need to cancel immediately. Now, in terms of Royal Caribbean excursions versus other ones, uh, I, I, I booked both. I booked both continuously. You just heard me talk about one I booked through Royal Caribbean and one I booked through on my own, right? Um, I have nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with booking on your own, but I do believe you need to be uh, very respective of the time that you're there. And I think in this case, forget anything else, you need to make sure the excursion you book is significantly closer uh, or significantly further away from your uh, set sail time. You want to make sure you have plenty of time. And this may be the case. I'm not sure when it starts. Sometimes the excursions start later on in the day. But uh, in, in your case, what I would recommend you doing, Alexis, is cancel what you have. Look at other third-party excursions that offer something that's up your alley that you're interested in doing. But make sure you're back on board with plenty of time. Again, I always give myself at least two hours. And even then, I start getting a little nervous. I want to make sure I have plenty of time. I don't want to be that last person on board. And you certainly don't want to be in any shape or form uh, in the possibility, in the realms of possibilities, of missing the ship because of uh, being late. So, again... Don't be that guy uh, or gal. So, yeah, cancel what you have and rebook something else, whether it's the Royal Caribbean or not. I, When you book a cruise through, or an excursion to the Royal Caribbean, yes, when you're booking a group excursion, there can be some um, issues for you in terms of you're moving at the group's pace. And it will move slower than if you're booking on your own. That's just the nature of any group excursion, whether that's Royal or not. If you're in a group and with other people, the group can only move at a certain pace. That's just the nature of the beast. That being said, if you want a Royal Caribbean kind of experience in the sense that you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, being late or the excursion running overtime, but you still want to have something customized to what you want to do, but you're not willing to compromise on being in a group. Something I just tried, and you may have heard me talk about this already on a previous episode, Alexis, is the private journeys. Basically, private journeys is a Royal Caribbean program where you can book your own custom shore excursion through Royal Caribbean, but it's just you on board. There's no one else there, but it's all catered to you, and you get all the protection of making sure that the ship will wait for you. I loved it when I did it in Curacao, and I would tell you that if, if that's important, if you really don't want to move at a group's pace, but you still want to experience something really cool, this might be a great option for you. And you can get more information about it by going to um, uh, Royal Caribbean's website and going to uh, Private uh, Private Journeys is the name of the uh is the name of the program. You can actually get through the cruise plan. If you go to your shore excursion tab and cruise plan on Royal Caribbean's website, you'll find a link there and you can get more information, submit a request, and they'll contact you. It's uh, It works quite well. I, I would definitely recommend it there. So, Alexis, thank you so much for the email. Thank you for, and thank you to everybody for listening. We had a great time. And of course, if you want to send me your emails and your, your questions, I would love to hear about them. Send me an email at matt, M A T T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Well, until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.